Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. work of the Spirit of God needs to be demonstrated within our life that we are saved. The work of grace brought us salvation, and yet in that grace, we need to be living as the redeemed. And if we're not living as the redeemed, then I believe that goes back to what Paul says, hey, stop. Second, examine yourself. See if you're really in the faith or not. In today's message, Pastor David teaches from 1 Corinthians when Paul admonishes the believers against suing one another. The believers were not seeking reconciliation and healing as God would desire. Rather, they were tearing one another down as the world would do. How believers treat one another, both then and now, is evidence of how we're living out our salvation. Treating others with kindness, grace, and the wisdom of God is what is best for others and our own spirit. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Do You Not Know? a list that Paul gives here. And once again, uh, I don't want you to feel too comfortable about the fact that maybe your own secret sin isn't listed here. Because again, I, I believe uh, that he lists everybody's sin when he starts out and says, the unrighteous. He, I think he hits on everybody at that point in time. As we look at the list, it's fairly easy to see that uh, some of these sins, are, they're on the outside. And some of them, uh, people can be very guilty of them and it'd only be on the inside. I don't need to go through and give definitions and descriptions of any of these sins. I believe that you all understand and know what's going on here. And so we move on with simply that it's just because the outside of a bowl is clean does not mean that the inside is clean. And Jesus dealt with that on many, many occasions. You see, the Pharisees look really good. They look really righteous, really, really religious dudes on the outside. But Jesus says, no, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You're just full of dead men's bones. It's, you're rotting and you're stinking on the inside. You may look all good and painted up on the outside, but there's nothing good on the inside. And it's the same way here. Just because it's an internal sin, it's a, what you might consider a secret sin or a, a sin of the thoughts or the mind rather than the actual sins of uh, actions, or we are guilty of both of these. The primary issue Paul is speaking of here is that one of continual abiding and unrepentant 
sin. We look at the sin list up here, and at any point in time, we could say, even as Jesus said, hey, if you've thought about this in your own mind, you've already committed the sin. Well, then we continue to be guilty at that point in time. But what Paul is speaking about, this was your lifestyle. This is who you were. This is what defined you. But you know what? Now you've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified by the Lord. So he's making that clear distinction. The first five of the list are sexual sins, including even the placement of idolater within that list of those first five, since most of that pagan worship during that time included some form of sexual sin or sexual perversion. Now, he's going to go on to speak of the impact of sexual sins to the believer in a couple of verses, but right here, he lists them as those things that cannot be a part of God's kingdom cannot continue to live in this lifestyle and say that you are truly born again. It just does not work. There either needs to be a great amount of repentance and and coming back to the Lord, or there needs to be a time of redemption and, and being born again. Because again, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, maybe you've just been churched up, but there's never been a born again experience. So either a rebirth needs to take place or repentance needs to take place because we cannot continue to live in these kinds of things and be a part of God's kingdom. Paul's very clear that our lives were changed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing us from what? All unrighteousness. The fact of our past sin being covered by the blood, forgiven through Christ, is evident. He says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. As such, there is that expectation within the lives of every believer, since we were washed, since we were and are and will be sanctified, that's that ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives, since we were justified, beloved, there ought to be a change in the life both inside and out. It's not a work of the law and said, okay, then I won't do that anymore. I'll just keep you know, doing, trying to do the right thing as a work of the law. It's not going to bring about salvation. It's the work of the Spirit of God demonstrating the reality of salvation within an individual's life. I had a pastor years and years ago. There were some areas in his life that needed some major attention. My question to him was, let me just ask you this very simple. Are you struggling with this, or are you simply resolved to this? And you see, that's a world of difference, folks, a world of difference. Struggling with something that you're asking the Lord, bring me healing, bring me deliverance, and you are positively looking uh, for ways for the Lord to bring that is a whole lot different than just simply being resolved to live your life. Well, that's just the way God made me. Just the way God made me. If he wants me to change, let him change me. I know that prayer because I've said that prayer before. When I was a young believer, Lord, if you want me to change, you've got to change me. Well, he said, I died for you. I washed you. I sanctified you. I justified you. So pull up your big boy pants and do the right thing. Make the right decisions. 
make the right determination. Get accountability around you. Get those things in your life that are going to, again, bring that refining process of a brother sharpening a brother. Those kinds of, uh, again, coming in to where that washing of the Word within your life. Again, all of those things. The work of the Spirit of God needs to be demonstrated within our life that we are saved. The work of grace brought us salvation, and yet in that grace, we need to be living as the redeemed. And if we're not living as the redeemed, then I believe that goes back to what Paul says. Hey, stop. Second, examine yourself. See if you're really in the faith or not. Again, are you struggling with this? Or are you simply resolved to it? The midst is speaking about that walk of, of righteousness. Paul reminds them of their standing in grace. Look at verse 12. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. What does he mean by that? That means that, again, it's not by works that we're saved. And also, beloved, I believe in the context of all the Scripture, Old Testament and New, including the relationship of God with Israel and that ongoing. There's, there's so much within this that, that gives me this deal. It tells me it's not my works that keep me saved either. It cannot be my works that keep me saved. It never got me saved to begin with, and it can't keep me saved. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but I'm not going to be brought under the power of any of these things. He goes on to say, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Paul recognized the power of sexual desires. There's no doubt about it. He recognized the deceitfulness of the enemy through that, that, that changing mores of their, their culture, whether it be the Greek culture that Paul lived in or the Western culture that we lived in, or we live in right now. Yet he also knew that it was the greatness of the power of God working within the lives of obedient and submitted believers that make a change. Beloved, if we're not obedient to what we know to be the truth, if we're not submitted to what we know the Word of God says, then we're never going to be able to walk in victory. If you struggle in one area, you're going to continue to struggle. You may get a victory for, for a week or a couple of months, but if you're not obedient and submitted to what you know to be the truth, you're going to continue to struggle and you'll never truly get the victory that is yours in Christ. What may be lawful in our culture certainly isn't helpful to our spirit. Amen? Amen. What the unrighteousness of man might consider acceptable today doesn't mean that it's acceptable in God's kingdom in the closest of ways. More and more in our, our culture, we seem to simply wink at sin. We declare, well, it's not hurting anybody else. Uh, we excuse it as just the natural thing. Or we even parade it around on primetime television as great drama. It's what my wife and I talk about, you know, it's, it's soft porn. You know, a lot of the stuff that's on primetime TV right now. And don't tell me that, it, that it's not there to tantalize and to excite the viewer. 
It's there, and that's why it's there, and it draws people back week after week to the same garbage. All the while, the culture is working harder and harder to remove anything, anything that has to do with God, the Bible, or even common sense morality. And as I said earlier, common sense, it's not as common as it used to be. But you know what? Neither is biblically-based morality or even, even any kind of a strong belief or trust in God. You're God, the one who raised up the Lord Jesus, the one who will also raise us up by that same power. The word Paul uses for sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia. And yeah, that's where we get our English word for pornography. It's basically any kind of a sexual activity contrary to biblical standards and principles, even dealing with the idea of living that unchaste or unpure life. It even goes to that point. In the biblical context, it covers a wide range of sexual sins. Incest, prostitution, fornication, fornication of sexual relations between two unmarried people, adultery, Sexual relations between a man and woman where at least one of them is married but not to each other. Homosexuality, man with a man, woman with a woman. Any other kind of combination or perversion of that biblical gift of the sexual relationship that God designed purposefully to be between a married man and woman who are married together. That includes even the manufacturing. We throw this in for today's culture, but it was also very uh, available in that culture. The manufacturing, the distribution, the viewing of pornographic materials. And if you think pornography only came about with the invention of the uh, 8-track or the, the videos or even the printing press or anything, you've got another thing coming. Pornography has been around since the dawn of, of, of mankind. Because again... The sinfulness of man has been there all along. And what God had intended for good and for righteous and for purity and for joy and pleasure and for, again, fulfilling the needs of the husband and wife, Satan took, and he's been perverting it since the very beginning of time. To drive home this whole direction of these matters of sexual purity, Paul reminds these Corinthian brothers and for the church today that our place is powerful in our relationship with God. We've got to think about our place in our relationship with God. Look at verse 15. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Are you kidding? That, that suddenly we would bring that kind of a concept, that kind of an understanding, that kind of a relationship into the body of Christ? He says, no, good night. That's ridiculous. Now, you've got to understand also the culture of Paul. During that culture, these pagan temples that were everywhere, I mean, part of their worship was that kind of a thing. The sexual immorality was rampant in those days. 
I mean, just very much out in the open, almost for everyone to see what's going on, to understand what's going on. And these temples, man, that's what it was. And Paul is saying, is that what you want? Is that what you think the church ought to be? He says, well, certainly not. When we have, again, that kind of a relationship, we become one flesh with that one. The two, he says, shall become one flesh. Again, that statement drives home that idea of our union with Christ and that whole meaning of the two becoming one flesh. In our union with Christ, it's fully a marriage union. We see that Old Testament and New Testament, but particularly for the church in the New Testament, we are called what, church? The bride of Christ. This whole idea, man, with that full marriage, it's a union that should never be broken by infidelity of any sort. The idea of one flesh deals with so much more than the physical aspect. And whenever I counsel people in marriage, I tell them, man, you know, the word says that man, they, they leave father and mother and they leave home and they come together as one flesh. That's much more than the physical union. It really becomes the heart and the mind and the soul of walking together, living together, their journey in Christ together, the the desires, the encouragement of one another toward one another. There's so much within that understanding of one flesh, not just the physical action, but the physical action is a great and, and powerful part of that union, but it is also the mind of the heart. In the same way, we're called to remain pure, we're called to remain committed to our physical spouse, we are called to remain pure to our groom, the Lord Jesus. The issue of sexual sin over every other sin is the depth of the sin itself. And that's why Paul warns the church in verse 18. He says, you know, gird up your loins and get out of town. You know, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Think about it with me for a moment. A thief is a thief, but the sin of thievery usually doesn't consume the thief. Uh, He he may be even addicted to the process and the thrill of, of stealing, but it doesn't affect his inner psyche in the same way as sexual sin impacts our psyche and our mind. Sexual sin impacts us spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, and in the case of sexual addiction, it actually impacts us chemically. And when someone is caught up in sexual sins, they're impacted both internally as well as externally how it makes them live among others around them. Outside of the issue of STDs and unwanted pregnancies, more often than not, the biggest damage comes against the spiritual and the emotional side of the individual. Even before today's medical advances, clinical surveys and all the tests that they can do, the Holy Spirit allowed the Apostle Paul to understand that he or she who commits sexual immorality, sins against his or her own body. Already knew that. Today we have all the tests that prove it and show it. 
But Paul even understood that then by the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason for combating sexual sin in our lives is not only important for the healthy relationship of a husband and wife, but beloved, it is most important because of our relationship with Christ. We might think, well, I'm single and uh, you know, I don't have a spouse that I'm messing up with this. Beloved, you are messing up your relationship with Christ. And if you're battling in that area, let me also tell you, just getting married doesn't erase the battle of that area. You carry it with you into the marriage. Verse 19, Paul says, don't you know, duh, there it is. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and you're not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let me close with a kind of a lengthy quote from Warren Wiersbe. If you haven't guessed by now, I really like his stuff. I, don't, I really and truly don't copy him word for word, but I just every once in a while some of the stuff he says is just powerful. He writes this. When a man and woman join their bodies, the entire personality is involved. There's a much deeper experience, a, a oneness that brings with it deep and lasting consequences. Paul warned that sexual sin is the most serious sin a person can commit against his body, for it involves the whole person. Sex is not just a part of the body. Being male and female involves the total person. Now that's something our culture and our courts need to understand today right now. Being male and female is is much more than just the plumbing. It's, It's everything about that individual. He says, therefore, sexual experience affects the total personality. They affect the emotions, very possibly leading to slavery. And it's frightening to see how sensuality can get a hold of a person and defile his entire life, enslaving him or her to habits that destroy. It also affects a person physically. The fornicator, the adulterer, as well as the homosexual, rather through actual physical action with others or through sexual mental imaginations or through the viewing of pornographic materials, may seek to forget their sins, but their sins will not forget them. Let me close with this. Do you not know? Do you not know? You can't simply walk away from those kinds of sins. You've got to make a concerted effort by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only to forsake them, but also to lead you to those that can hold you accountable and that can encourage you in your own life of purity and commitment to Christ first and for those that are married to their spouse. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a mess Corinth was in. But what a mess the church today is in. Broke my heart today, just today. And I've shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago of uh, my knowledge, personal knowledge of uh, four different pastors that have fallen in this area. Heard today of another one. I thought, oh Lord, 
The enemy is having a heyday, and if he strikes the shepherd, the sheep scatter. And so that's why you need to be praying for your pastoral staff, for anybody who is in areas of leadership, but also be praying for one another. That again, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God might work and move within the hearts and lives of all of his children in these days as they continue to get darker. Let us be a brighter light for the glory of Christ. Amen. Amen. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on about for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.